Meanwhile, whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Hey, watchers, today's episode is really exciting for us because it kicks off our favorite movie time of the year, Halloween. And what better way than to also review our first movie by the legendary horror filmmaker, Wes Craven. This movie is considered one of the greatest slasher films of all time, spawning multiple sequels and creating a character as savage and unforgettable as Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. So put on some comfy pajamas, kids, and brew some really, really strong coffee. It's time to be delightfully terrified by 1984's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Josh and Jeremy, and we try to review movies that are at least 10 years old and see what kind of impact they made or are still making on culture and the film industry. We are heavy on spoilers here, so if that's not for you, pause this, go watch the movie, and then come on back and finish this episode. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? Well, we've been counting the days till we could do a solid run of horror movies to review. And yes, now we're finally here. So without wasting any more time, what are some facts about A Nightmare on Elm Street, Jeremy? All right, let's see. It was came out in 1984, directed by Wes Craven, more like Wes Slayin. Um, mm. <laughs> That's actually funny, because I think, if I read correctly, he was kind of on a, a downward trajectory with his previous two films when this came out, and this definitely put him back on the map, I guess. Yeah, he uh, he killed it. There's going to be a lot of puns in this episode, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like this whole month is going to be like Pun City. Welcome to Puntober. I, Right. Not pwned, punned. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the score, Charles Bernstein. That's freaking cool. He also did Psycho. So, like, this is... I really like the soundtrack in this movie because it's... Yeah. You hear it, you know exactly what movie it's from. It's that uh, creepy little kids thing. It's not like Children of the Corn. It's different, but it's almost sure. like that nursery well, it's rhyme. Very, it's very synth-heavy on top of having that kind of kid nursery rhyme feel. Yeah. So, it's very, it's very like, on point. For the time period dude you know the cool. song uh, Dreamcatcher or Dreamweaver? yeah so like you know how that song starts off with that really cre- creepy synth sound like Wes Craven was uh, actually inspired by that and so right. that's why some of the El- Nightmare on Elm Street's music sounds like that style right so which is why every time a song comes on I'm always like this is a creepy song and then it kicks <laughs> in and I'm like oh yeah I like this song right <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, budget this is the crazy thing budget is like barely over a million dollars. They originally were trying to do 600,000 and they were able to, like everybody was turning Wes Craven down. And so then he went to New Line Cinema and this was their first major budget movie that they ever produced. So this is the movie that they say, this is the movie that Freddie built. Or, and so basically the house that Freddie built, that's what they say right, this movie for is. New Line Cinema. Yeah. yeah. So without this movie, New Line Cinema, which still, I don't even know if they'd be around, but they've, they have right. their own crazy stories of like, almost going out of business multiple times and then lord of the rings saves them and then like oh you yeah know, mortal Kombat saves okay i don't know if mortal Kombat saves them <laughs> but anyways <laughs> but no they put out some huge hits though which 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I feel like for a while there, it's almost like anything they were putting out was definitely worth you know going to go see. Yeah, yeah, definitely for a while. Whenever I see New Line Cinema, I'd be like, I'm in for something good. Right. And I'm sure I don't feel like that anymore. But I'm trying to think of a yeah. terrible movie they put out, and I keep thinking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. But <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Uh, box office though, this freaking blew it out of the water. It was 57 million. So they made back their entire budget in the first two days that this movie was released. So it was yeah. off to a great start. They major, like, major score for new line. Oh dude, freaking crazy. Uh, let me run through the cast real quick. We have the Robert England. We have Heather Langkamp. I think it's Langenkamp. Johnny Depp. I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> John Saxon. Amanda Weiss and Roni Blakely, so pretty uh, pretty awesome solid cast. By the way, John Saxon John Saxon actually comes back and reprises his role in the third movie. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's a spoiler that he makes it in this movie, or he could be a ghost in the third movie. I don't know. We should probably watch. But it's kind of like Inception. Is it a dream and a dream and a dream? Yeah, I mean technically that's how the movie ends. You're just like. Right. Where, what? What's what's real? <laughs> yeah. Does the turn, top stop spinning? Turn the kids oh, gotta turn way. around. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, oh, we should totally link it. To, that should be our new matrix. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's jump into this. The synopsis. I have. Yes. A, I have a lot of trivia about this movie. So let's awesome. do it. All right. Well, let's get the uh, synopsis broken down. Uh, once again, this is Wikipedia. It's it's a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It's not the best, the best one we've done on the show, but uh, it'll work. Oh, if you've never just, seen the movie, you'll understand what's up. Just real quick, yeah. We should probably start saying this, but like, since we use Wikipedia like every episode, <laughs> if you guys like this, you should probably donate to Wikipedia since it's literally <laughs> right. one of the last uh like platforms where it's not. It doesn't seem like it's super controlled. So, anyways. I love it Wikipedia. is very up in source. Yeah, it is. Okay, here we go. In March 1984, Tina Gray awakens from a nightmare when she is attacked, or I should say wherein, she is attacked by a disfigured man wearing a blade-fixed glove in a boiler room. Her mother points out four mysterious slashes on her nightgown. The following morning, Tina is consoled by her best friend, Nancy Thompson, and her boyfriend, Glenn Lance. The two stay at Tina's house when Tina's mother goes out of town, but their sleepover is interrupted by Tina's boyfriend, Rod Lane. When Tina falls asleep, she dreams of being chased by the disfigured man. Rod is awakened by Tina's thrashing and sees her dragged and totally slashed by an unseen force, forcing him to flee as Nancy and Glenn awaken to find Tina bloodied and dead. The next day, Rod is arrested by Nancy's father, Don Thompson, Despite his pleas of innocence, at school, Nancy falls asleep in class and dreams that the man, who calls himself Freddy, chases her to the boiler room where she is cornered and burns her arm on a pipe. The burn startles her awake in class as she notices a burn on or a burn mark on her arm. Nancy goes to Rod at the police station, who tells her details about what happened to Tina along with her, his own recent nightmares. This makes Nancy believe that Freddy is responsible for Tina's death. At home, Nancy falls asleep in the bathtub and is nearly drowned by Freddy. Nancy then depends on caffeine to stay awake and invites Glenn to watch over her as she sleeps. In her dream, Nancy sees Freddy prepare to kill Rod in his cell before he turns his attention towards her. Nancy runs away and wakes up when her alarm clock goes off. 
Freddy kills Rod by wrapping bedsheets around his neck like a noose. Nancy, her father, and Glenn find his body hanging in his cell, making it look like Rod committed suicide. At Rod's funeral, Nancy's parents become worried when she describes her dreams about Freddy. Her alcoholic mother, Marge, takes her to a sleep disorders clinic where, in a dream, Nancy grabs Freddy's fedora, with his name Freddy Krueger written in it, and pulls it from the dream into reality. Upon barricading the house, Marge reveals to Nancy that Kruger was a sadistic child murderer released on a technicality and then burned alive by parents living on their street, seeking vigilante justice. Nancy realizes that Kruger, now a vengeful ghost, desires revenge and to satiate his psychopathic needs. Nancy tries to call Glenn to warn him, but his father prevents her from speaking to him. Glenn falls asleep and is killed by Kruger. Now alone, Nancy puts Marge to sleep and asks Don, her dad, who is across the street investigating Glenn's death, which they never don't really point this out, but in case you figure it out, Don is a cop. So there's that. Uh, yeah, he's across the a, street. Kind of a main part of the story. That's weird. Right. Wikipedia <laughs> disappointed. Let us down. Hey, I okay. guess we, could, we can edit it right now. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, uh, so he dawns across the street uh, investigating Glenn's death. Uh, she asks him to break into the house in 20 minutes, her own house, because her mom locked it up. Uh, Nancy rigs booby traps around the house and grabs Kruger out of the dream and into the real world. The booby traps affect Kruger enough that Nancy is able to light him on fire and lock him in the basement. Nancy rushes to the door for help. The police arrive to find that Kruger has escaped from the basement. Nancy and Don go upstairs to find a burning Kruger smothering Marge in her bedroom. After Don puts out the fire, Kruger and Marge vanish into the bed. When Don leaves the room, Kruger rises from the bed behind Nancy. Nancy realizes that Kruger is powered by his victim's fear and she calmly turns her back to him. Kruger evaporates when he attempts to lunge at her. Next, Nancy steps outside into a bright and foggy morning where all of her friends and her mother are still alive. Nancy gets into Glenn's convertible to go to school, and then the top suddenly comes down and locks them in as the car drives uncontrollably down the street. Three little girls in white dresses playing jump rope are heard chanting Kruger's nursery rhyme as Marge is grabbed by Kruger through the front door window. Yes. And there you have it. I want to say, first off, Glenn sucks in this movie. (laughs) He's, he's so unreliable. He's the worst. He's just like... Uh, you got one job, Glenn. You need to stay awake. Can I know, you do stay that, Stay awake, Glenn. Come on. And I got to say, this is probably one of Johnny Depp's worst movies. He's, he's just, <laughs> well, I mean, you got to cut him a huge amount of slack. This was his first role ever, I think. Well, yes. his film, his, his major motion yeah. picture uh, debut, at least. But yeah, I think pretty sure it's the first thing he... He did. I do have a, a fact, even though you're probably going to point this one out. Yeah, what's that? Um, and trying to quickly go to my notes. It's okay, I'll cover for you. Glenn happening. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, jump into yours. I'm going to find my, okay, so my note here. This is Johnny Depp's first movie. Apparently, Wes Craven's daughter thought he was hot and pressured his her dad to hire him. And right. so there was a bunch of like big name actors like C. Thomas Howell, uh, Charlie Sheen, and let me see, like basically any a lot of those guys. Uh, Keith Sutherland was considered for this movie. 
So they were trying to pull in some big names for this movie. It was kind of surprising that Johnny Depp actually got this. So I don't know if he did 21 Jump Street. I think he did 21 Jump Street after this movie. Because I want to see that was, a, that was a main 80s show. But anyways, right. um, straight up, up though, like it was freaking hilarious. There's There's so many parts in this movie that are like hilariously unintentional hilarious and then there's right. other parts where it's just like they have a crazy stunt in this movie though um i gotta say let's jump right into that the last scene when they lay they light freddie on fire and then he mm-hmm. like starts to run up the stairs and falls down and then runs up the stairs that's one take and that guy was on fire the entire time while he was doing that so that was like a long time for that guy to be on fire like that's pretty awesome it is it sells. It's like it's a great scene in the movie, but it's freaking scary. Like when I yeah. read up on that, I was like, that is legit, like serious stunt there. Right. I feel like it's maybe the only time in the movie you actually feel sorry for Freddy. Yeah. Because you're yeah. like, oh, dang, that guy was already scarred from, you know, burning, dying in a fire. And now he's on fire again. I mean, right. it's like that's he's actually terrified at that point. Or I don't know. I felt terrified for him. You know, <laughs> You know, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Because then Freddy versus Jason, they bring up what Freddy's afraid of and what Jason's afraid of. And so, like, Freddy's more afraid of, like, fire. Jason's afraid of water. Mm-hmm. And so, these movies take place in the same universe, which is funny. Because Sean Cunningham, who directed Friday the 13th in 1980, um, he was friends with Wes Craven. And so, Wes Craven was trying to have Sean Cunningham, Cunningham help make this movie. Since Wes Craven directed a couple scenes inside uh, Friday the 13th. And so... Sean Cunningham read the script and he was like, this isn't scary. It's not going to work. But he tried to support him anyways. And he ended up filming uh, a couple scenes of, of this oh, movie that's too. Cool. So that kind of like unintentionally, they already have kind of a connection already. Right. I but, love the, the Sam Raimi connection too. As oh, we oh jump yeah. Through these. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> have you seen? Okay. So first off, we're recording this episode uh, a little early. Uh, it's the beginning of October, and so I had never seen the original The Hills Have Eyes by Wes Craven. That's his second movie that he did um, after Last House on the Left. Uh, have you seen the original The Hills Have Eyes? I've seen bits and pieces of it, but it, it's another one of those ones where it was just like on TV, and I kind of watched a little bit of it, but I haven't I haven't sat down and just like watched it through, so I need to do that. Yeah. Well, um, that came out in 77, and then Evil Dead came out in 1980. And yeah, this is the connection you were talking about. Yeah. Where they had in uh, in the uh, shoot, what's it called? Downstairs. Evil. Right. And Evil Dead. Yeah, in the downstairs part. The I totally cellar. Like it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm yes. like the downstairs shed. That's not right. <laughs> um, the cellar. They have part of the Hills Have Eyes poster on the wall. It's like ripped, but you can tell it's the poster. Ah. And so Wes Craven was thought that was cool. So that's why inside this movie. He's got Johnny Depp is watching Evil Dead on the uh, the the boob tube, right? So and then that also say can... that anymore. I felt so awkward when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's not really tubes in there, so no. I think I think that's really I think that's a generation. I think so. Behind or ahead? Well, yeah, older way, than us. Way behind. Yeah, way back. <laughs> but yeah, and then the connection between you know when Evil Dead Two came out, there's his. Uh, Dang Freddy's it, claw is on Thank the you. on the wall. We're, we're passing back the brain there farts back and forth. There you go. Yeah, brain farts <laughs> so yes. galore. Okay. Hey, I found the thing I was going to say about Johnny Depp earlier. Yes. So I thought this was cool. That um, is his real hair. 
Yes, go that ahead. is. Oh man, hair for days. <laughs> As one follically challenged, I couldn't help but envy that. Ah oh, man, I that feel luscious, you. that luscious mane. <laughs> okay, so anyways, I guess Johnny Depp showed up to the casting with his buddy Jackie Earl Haley, who no way for real. Yeah, who was going there to you know to you know try to get the role of Glenn, who ended up being freddy in the 2010 remake and for those of you who don't know who i'm talking about if you've seen Watchmen, he's the actor that played rorschach who is amazing um that is so cool yeah i did not know i literally did not know that he's like he's the best part of any movie he's in he's awesome Yeah, yeah he is such a cool actor and as far as like the remake goes of uh nightmare on elm street it's not great but he's awesome like i know maybe yeah. it's just because i love him i don't know no, he does a, they make him, they make Freddy serious, which in this movie, they hadn't thought, they hadn't really put, made, Freddy's not funny in this movie. He gets funny, I would say in the, I don't even know if he's that funny in the second movie, but he definitely starts getting really funny in the third one and playing right. the whole like. Like actually cracking jokes. This one. Right. I don't know. I find him humorous in this, or maybe, I don't know, just like, um, charming in a weird way i don't know right <laughs> that's robert england though like freaking he is so good he's in he's in yeah. loads of stuff he's like the male version of d wallace he's in like everything <laughs> you know but um he'll have eyes by the way d wallace is in that movie and that's i think nice. the youngest that i've seen her in but anyways nice tie-in yeah i watched that movie today for the first time but he'll have eyes so i thought that was Kind of that's cool. funny i thought you saw that a long time ago because i remember when when you were like all about it but you must have been all about the remake dude no i was all about yeah uh, alexandra aja i was all about the remake and I, I think it's one of these rare times where the remake is actually a way better movie than the original because mm-hmm. they take basically say the movie has about the original has like 50 percent of the plot in the remake they flush out the story a lot it's a lot more interesting of course they had a way bigger budget right. but it's a lot more brutal though than the first one so Oh, I, yeah, of course. So anyway, more freedom. But yeah, speaking of brutal, this movie for the low budget, it I mean, it looks fantastic. Oh, I mean, yeah. Some of the like the first um kill scene when um Tina gets killed and the way she's getting dragged all, you know, around the oh, you know, yeah. the room and up onto the ceiling and I mean, you 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 can tell that they had to have either built the room upside down or I guess it was a rotating yeah, it was a ro- rotating room that they used. Yeah, but yeah. it's it is so cool. I mean, it's it's still you know all these years later, just really amazing to see. I mean, I know you and I are huge fans of practical special yeah. effects, but this is this is, stands the test of time. It is really cool and disturbing and yes. awesome. Yeah, I love that. I, they they literally strapped down Tina's boyfriend uh, Rod. And so, like, the one scene when he's like, Tina, and the, the camera's right next to him, he's actually upside down in that scene, and she's on yeah. the ground. And so, like, but um, that's such a cool scene, though. I totally agree. The special effects in this movie, the the creativity behind the kills is awesome, and that's a big deal for me when watching slasher films, because otherwise they can get boring real quick. Yeah. Um, is the creativity. I mean, that's, like, that's uh, why the the Friday, the 13th movies have kind of get stale after a while. And so then they start getting creative and, um, then, but anyways, um, with this one though, I was surprised at how much of the actual story was in this movie. Cause in the remake, they take like the story from all the first six films and cram mm-hmm. it into one movie. And this had a lot more story to it than I remembered about like Freddie's background. 
right. about how like uh what's her name the main girl's mom has a connection to freddie has i mean it's kind of creepy that she still has his claw his uh his glove oh yeah no the all the parents are pretty messed up in this movie i mean they're they are not good parents no <laughs> they go full-on like orient express where it's like all the parents mur- murder freddie like vigilante oh, yeah. justice and then they're like which they something they left out of the movie they originally gonna they were left out a couple lines that like all of the characters used to have siblings they weren't actually um they used to have older siblings but they died because of freddie and so mm-hmm. then that they just didn't say anything to the younger siblings um because that's how freddie's power grows is like by him knowing so it's if you forget about freddie then freddie goes away right so anyways uh over 500 gallons of fake blood was used during <laughs> filming dude so yeah and i think the only movie that passed this quickly was probably evil dead 2 with right. a, a freaking shotgun wall <laughs> but, uh, wall, of, uh, wall of blood the wall of blood but um i'm not i'm not gonna lie like i felt bad for the kids except for glenn freaking Glenn. glenn he deserved it everybody like, he was i know freaking fell asleep all the time right. i was like come on johnny it's like way to way to not even try oh and when he screams when he's getting taken at the end Mm-hmm. Um, so he's super young obviously i mean this is very young johnny depp his right. voice is still higher pitched and everything but when he screams he's still got that that johnny depp scream that's just it's like <laughs> it's weird i don't know <laughs> no one screams like johnny depp if it's like a strangled like i don't know <laughs> right uh, it's like Wee herman <laughs> screaming yeah <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> That would be crazy. Freddie all of a sudden pops up and he's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, um, let's see. Oh, the first, the intro to this movie. I loved the intro to this movie. I, when it shows them making, uh, Freddie's making the glove. Yeah. I totally forgot about, oh yeah. Hey, where were you when you first saw this movie? There we go again. Forgetting. 22 minutes in and we've. Good um, Lord. Will we ever learn? Probably not. Well, last week we did it right. That's one, true. One out of how many? One out of eighteen episodes. That's well. True. I think to be fair, we were we were pretty excited about doing this one, so we just you know. That's true. That's Anyways. true. Um. So I this is the first time I actually sat down and watched it straight through because this is another one of those movies that what? I'd seen bits and pieces, bits bits and pieces of the movie. Um, I remember being terrified of this character when I was a little kid. Um, I think the, the third movie what was the third one called, uh, uh, dream warriors. Yes. So I remember going to the movies with grandpa and grandma mm-hmm. and I think with Jamie, I'd assume. And I think, um, her cousin Christine was there too. And she's, she's about 10 years older, I think than mm-hmm. I am anyways. And I, so, and that was, that one came out in 87, I think. So I was about seven. Oh yeah. I was about, I was about, I was about zero. About zero. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe conceived then. (laughs) 0.3. But I remember being at the theaters and seeing the poster for it and just being terrified. And my cousin, Christine, who was, you know, a teenager then, Mm -hmm. uh, she was like, oh, let's go see this instead. And she was kind of joking, but obviously really wanted to go see the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just this terrified me all growing up. And I think in a little bit just kind of made me always hesitant to sit down and watch it. But mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I watched the remake and I hadn't seen, you know, this one all the way through. I knew the like iconic scenes and stuff like that. But right. Um, yeah. So this was really the first time really just sitting down and, and uh, 
getting the full full effect like for re- for this review this was the first time yeah yeah wow all right I don't feel as bad now that I haven't seen the Karate Kid. So, <laughs> 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 um, anyways, um, yeah, I was the same way. I had seen pictures of Freddy as a little kid. Was terrified of Freddy because, like, Jason was Jason was scary, but Freddy was like you could oh, see yeah. him lit up, and he was scary looking. Right. And um, the I remember going to was that Party America or party, something like that, some party store, and they had a full life size cutout of Freddy. And I just like, I couldn't even walk past it. I was so freaking scared of it. <laughs> and, you know, like, don't turn your back on it. You don't want it to sneak up on you. Right. And so once I started getting into movies, like 20 years later, and just started blowing through a bunch of different movies, started loving horror movies. I actually don't remember when I first saw this movie. It was like within that, like when I was like 19. And you're just mashing through movies. Yeah, just blowing through. I think I watched the first six uh, movies probably like one right after another and oh wow so, so it all blurs together then yeah. right because i did the same thing um with friday the 13th i watched eight movies like in a row Dang. like in a week and so just like bam 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 and so which is kind of funny though because like as an adult i feel that friday the 13th is way scarier than the nightmare on elm street movies like the first one the the rest of them that's a that's that'll be a fun conversation to have but right um yeah, but this movie though, uh, yeah. So I, I think I've only seen this movie all the way through twice. Actually, I don't think I've okay. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've seen the set like for some reason the third movie is the oh no no, the second movie is the one I've seen the most. I've seen that one at least like three or four times because that one's always on TV for some reason when I would watch that hmm. one. So that's interesting. Which that one's kind of the black sheep of the family. A lot of people hate that movie, but I actually think that movie is the scariest one out of them all because that you one... think it has the biggest like cult following, maybe? I don't know. That's a good question. I know that people love the third movie. They thought that was a true sequel to the first one. And mm. But anyways, yeah. Let's jump back into this. All let's right. Let's see here. Well, like you said, you love the, the opening where he's building the the glove. And yes. That was, I was immediately hit with how great the soundtrack is. As soon as yes. that kicks in and it's got, you know, this awesome synth sound going on. Um, it's very, very much on point for the time period. Yes, very um, much but so. it has like the main, his little theme that's being played. It's very, um, you know, nursery rhyme. Yes. Sounding, you know, old school nursery rhyme, but worked in with the, you know, the synth orchestration. Super cool. I was just digging it immediately. Right. The whole two, like one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Right. Five, six, grab your crew. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is seven, eight, better don't stay. Ah, never mind. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing that's interesting is I feel like I could totally be wrong, but I feel like this movie compared to Friday the 13th, this is a slasher film. I feel like. This movie, though, is more of a popcorn slasher film movie where it's like you go in to watch the kills. You're you're you want to get scared. You want to be tense and like frightened. But at the same time, you're laughing with your friends. And I feel like this is definitely like a popcorn horror movie that's designed to just have fun, not to like terrorize you and like have trauma from it. I agree. I mean, unless there are those out there who really were terrified by it, it to me is just super fun. I mean, it's oh, definitely, yeah. it's got a couple of really good jumps at the end of the movie, and yes. you like you know they're coming, and they still 
you know, get you. So those are some quality jump scares, I would say. But no, yes. it's it's super fun. I mean, this is a great like group movie for sure, which I know a lot of most horror movies probably are more fun to watch in a group. Yes. Um, which is, I think that's kind of how I fell, really fell in love with horror movies, especially the older ones. Um, just, you know, watching them with, with big group of friends. Yeah, it's so much fun to, I don't know, I think because that a lot of horror movies don't require a lot of brain power, so you don't have to be like super focused in on the movie to yeah. enjoy it. You can be like talking with people and you can just have a good time and be experiencing this shared experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's totally legit. Uh, so the thing I like about this movie a lot though, like seriously, is just, it's so creative. Like it is. every dream sequence is totally different. They don't cheat on every dream sequence has at least one nasty thing that happens in it. I love it just because like Freddie, for example, when he like shows up the first time that what's the main chick's name? I am totally blanking him. Her name's um, her, her character name or her real yeah, name? Nancy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause every other white Heather girl in the, camp. In the 80s <laughs> was named right. Nancy. And right. It's probably what they did in Stranger Things. <laughs> um so anyways yep. um exactly nancy though when she sees freddie and he like pulls his shirt up and cuts himself and those like nasty bugs fall out and it looks right. gross they could have totally skipped that that's literally one scene and they didn't they were like you know what let's do it right. i love well, the I, I love the it, commitment to this movie they really push the boogeyman beyond just being oh he's scary no they, he's yes. gross like he's everything that is scary about a boogeyman they pretty much incorporated into this character for, for the most part i would say yes no i totally agree and the thing that i like it's just also too they it builds and i don't feel like there's yeah. really any cheap scares and the one thing i love that they don't do in this movie is somebody wakes up oh it's a dream turns to the right and freddy's right there and they're like right ah, and then they wake up again there's no fake outs in this movie yeah. like and that it's is super it's super fresh compared to a lot of the other slashers that because this is almost mid 80s and so that slasher genre was really you know i'd say going pretty strong by this point i mean this is a super fresh take on it i would say and then it's just so well done like it doesn't there's no cheapness about this movie and you know a lot of what we love about 80s horror movies and some you know 70s ones too is a lot of times it's the campy cheesiness but there's not that much of it in this movie there's a little bit of bad acting i would say personally or maybe Glenn it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> but even even um, I just forgot her name again. Heather Langenkamp, Nancy. Nancy. There's a few scenes where you're just like, boy, she is like bored or something. Like she's supposed to be emotional, and it just seems right. kind of dead. But um, I mean, that's there's not too much of that because there's a lot of other scenes where I feel like um, her acting was was pretty on point. You know, for oh, the yeah. scene. Um, but really, yeah, I like you said, there's nothing cheap about most of the scares or all the scares you know in this one yes i think it's awesome i love how she like hid a coffee pot in her yes freaking freaking closet <laughs> mom must have been under her bed mom must have been super drunk because she's taking out all the stuff right like, you can't smell that pot I of coffee know. brewing under there all right i was like good lord yeah that's exactly what i thought too was like this smell but, right. but then Nancy gets up, looks out the door, and her mom freaking pulls out another vodka bottle from the laundry section. Oh, and I, I know. Was, I was like, oh, we're <laughs> boats and hose. We're doing this. Like, <laughs> I was like, dang, this is freaking, this lady is like a legit alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Every I, parent is terrible in this movie. 
Oh yeah, I actually liked though they didn't go into too much backstory of why her parents are divorced. They they literally didn't even address it. You sure. just assume it's because of Freddie, because of everything that they've gone through. Well, but it, the, it almost I mean, you just look at them, they're a mess. He's he's like an arrogant, you know, a-hole all about the job, you know, kind of atypical cop and then she's just the absolute like you said alcoholic. Oh so, yeah. I mean, I obviously, you know, they're a great pair together, so it doesn't doesn't take a lot of rocket science to figure out why they're not together. <laughs> something happened. They went through some trauma and something happened, which is probably why they cut out the part. Well, I don't know. I guess if they had older siblings, um, Nancy and Glenn had older siblings or something like that, that then their parents, this was put. So this is the first time that Freddie is showing up in people's dreams. So right. apparently, so uh, it would have added a lot more depth to the movie for sure. Oh, one little thing you probably saw this too, but it seems like the studio uh, they didn't pick apart too much with the movie. But like, I know the some of the executives they really wanted the kind of the kind of ending at the movie at the ending oh, at the very yeah. end where the it's hook? it the hook. Yeah, it's not a happy ending. It's you know they were really pushed for it, even though he really had his own idea of how you want it to end and that's where i think that if there's anything that's a little bit disjointed with the movie it is the ending but i can I see agree. it's definitely you can tell where that wasn't his original vision that's some suit coming in there saying oh we want it to be this way and it's like and that right. never that i don't think ever works out well though it is pretty hilarious when freddie rips the mom through the door <laughs> and it's it's so obviously a blow-up doll like you just can't oh you yeah can't help but laugh Oh yeah, I, I I totally agree. And you're absolutely right. There's four different endings to this movie. Um, and yeah, Wes Craven's original thing was that Nancy defeats Freddy, wakes up the next day, and everything's fine, and she goes to school, and that's the end of the movie. Right. And that does make more sense because otherwise, the last sequence really doesn't make sense. You're right. Not, with the, not with a with the bit. rest Ex of the movie, except for the whole Inception thing where you're like a dream and a dream and a dream. Except that dream is the most ridiculous out of the entire movie out of everything that's happened all the, the kill sequences everything that last one is right. just bananas so the thing and the thing that doesn't make sense too is like um so i when i was watching this movie freddie likes to play with his victims before he kills them right and there's one the only thing i liked about the sequel is when one guy gets killed freddie stabs him in the stomach hanging him upside down and then he's like your brain is alive for five minutes after your, your body stops. He's like, so I've got five minutes of playtime. And I was like, that's creepy. That is sure. really creepy. That's let's, very sadistic. Let's see more of that, you know? And, <laughs> right. um, but like, that's that let's see more. And that's the only thing they did though, in the 2010 remake that I was like, Oh, so anyways, um, but in this movie, though, like, Freddy taunts everybody. And, like, he goes at them, but he's playing with them, though. Oh, yeah. And that reminded me of Pennywise, actually. Like, Pennywise feeds off mm -hmm. of fear. And he's, like, it's uh, like an hors d'oeuvre sort of thing. Like, it's making the, it's tenderizing the steak before he eats. Yeah. And so, that, that's what I got from Freddy in this. So, that doesn't make sense that he all of a sudden just, like, wipes out everybody at the end of the movie. So. Right. That takes away a couple points from the movie of this actually being pretty solidly written. For my right. for my standard, but but, but again, I can see I can see too where it's not his fault where they're like they might have just put the hammer down like look the movie doesn't get put out unless you do it this way so I get it when your hands are tied yeah. that's literally pretty much what happened so uh, let's do a little bit of uh, background on good old Wes Craven Wes Craven actually did not start watching horror movies until he was in college 
So mm-hmm. he's actually kind of similar to you, to you and me. Like we didn't, he did not, he was not raised on watching classic movies like these. And then once he started going to college, then he was actually planning to be a professor and he started loving movies so much that he, he graduated from college and then went into making movies and he made last house on the left, which is a very intense, uh, grindhouse type of movie. And it's very different from his later films. Mm-hmm. and then he ran out of money and five years later he he didn't want to make any more horror movies after that he wanted to make different types of movies so but he ran out of money so then he on a shoestring budget went him and peter Locke. they went and made the hills have eyes they literally just went to las vegas drove out in the middle of the desert and they're like this is good and started filming <laughs> and for what he did for the shoestring budget that's why that movie is a cult classic you know mm-hmm. Um, and then he did a couple of movies that were okay. And yeah, then he was able to, he, he had this script that he was writing. So like Freddie, this movie series comes from an idea, multiple different places. So like he had been reading in the LA times that over a course of several months, there were several people that were, we, uh, recorded that they were having nightmares and then they ended up dying from them actually. Right. And so they checked and they didn't have like a heart attack. They just, they literally went to sleep and were having a nightmare and they died. So this happened to a couple of people and he was like, that's interesting. And then Freddie's character comes from Freddie Krueger is the name of somebody who bullied him in high school right. and, or middle school. <laughs> I thought that was crazy. Just like flat out, like, I'm just going to use that person's name. Right. <laughs> you are the villain. <laughs> you are, which I'm sure that guy now, I don't know if your name's like Bart Simpson, then you're probably not like, Hey, I'm super excited about that. Right. But anyways, um, yeah. So then, um, also too, when he was like a little kid and apparently he was living in these apartments and he looked outside and it was at night and there was a guy in a fedora hat, like an old man just staring up at him and he got really freaked out and he was like thinking, he's like, as an adult, it was probably a drunk guy that was just, you know, but he's like, (laughs) as a kid, there's this dark figure that's staring up at him through this window. And so he heard the guy kind of go around to the front of the apartments and he started freaking out because he thought the guy was coming for him. So he mixed that. And then um, that idea of like people falling asleep and dying in their nightmares and uh, came up with Freddy. And so, and he wanted to have a specific, a different type of weapon for Freddy. So him being a college major, he actually started studying primal fear and how like people are afraid of things that have claws. And so that's why he actually decided to, have freddie have a claw knife or a what do you call, a claw glove and so right. they're made out of tomato knives i didn't know that they are mm. tomato knives so okay i know like everybody keeps saying steak knives but they don't i don't, yeah. know, they don't look like any steak knife i've ever seen so. right those well those and then stif- if correct me if i'm wrong i feel like in that first scene when the hands being built is there a is there like a straight razor also That's what i thought like i think I don't remember. Like I remember seeing the straight razor, but I'm trying to remember if he uses that to cut the design or if, oh, maybe or if he, he actually. Okay. Yeah, but then uh, if he fastens it together, yeah. If he had steak knives on it, then like that would be just like Glenn. It would suck. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> anyways uh, I'm gonna run that joke into the ground. <laughs> anyways, don't get me wrong, guys. I love Johnny Depp, and I he's gone on to do great things. Sure. So I mean, it's so a fun. fun to watch. He's a, it's fun to watch in this movie. I was gonna say it's a fun character. It's just, I mean, that's it's kind of one of those things that's fun about horror movies is you pick on stuff like that and you laugh and and you know get driven nuts by you know the idiot. Right. You know, you, it, all you got to do is stay awake. 
That's right. all you got to do. And he continually falls asleep. <laughs> I feel like he doesn't even freaking try like half the no. time. She's like, if you could do one thing for me, do this. And he's like, God, I got it. Okay. Jeez. I mean, it's like, he's like the Napoleon dynamite of boyfriends. It's like, he's like, oh, for whatever, Tina. Eat your food. But anyways. Hey, um, way to tie Tina into this too. Very nice. Hey, there you go. Tina, you fat lord. Come eat some dinner. Eat your ham. Eat your ham. Um... <laughs> Ruining our lives, you know, our steak. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I think that's about it that I got for um, uh, trivia. I had to slim it down. There's a lot of trivia for this movie. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on here. Uh, I do love how he originally he was trying to cast, you know, a really large actor or maybe just a large stuntman to play Freddy because that's generally how... I mean, uh, Jason Voorhees is like that. He's a big hulking dude. Right. Michael Myers is a big dude. Um, most slashers are big, intimidating. And Freddy's small. I mean, he's he's the size of the girls, really. He's a, he's a small dude, and it's creepy. It, yeah. It really works. And then the fact that there's actual acting that goes into it. I mean, Robert Englund is... You know, oh, he's iconic yeah. now for it because I mean he there he, it wasn't just something some meathead big dude could could just do it had to there had to be some heart and soul um, put into it right no I totally agree and so Freddy Krueger he wanted an older actor and he couldn't find anybody that was old that really sold it to him so he had he started looking at different people and Robert England just like nabbed it which is funny because he basically like the slouch that he has is from him having the, I guess the claw hand was actually like, the claw glove was pretty heavy. Hmm. And so he actually slouched over unintentionally when he was practicing his, his Freddy swag walk. And that just kind of came to part, part of the character. So. Wow. That's um, cool. I, I know there are some people that were really freaked out the first time you actually see Freddy. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is when he's in the alley with Tina and his arms stretched right. way out. And like, yeah. there's a lot of people this that were like, that is literally a nightmare that I have. So that freaked him out. I just love that. Because the nightmare areas, if you're if you're going to be in nightmares, like go full on nuts. And I they did. Right. Like, it was awesome. I loved it. Right. What do you think was yeah, the... He doesn't hold back. No, he doesn't. Um, so what do you think was the creepiest part of this movie? Oh, man. Well, obviously, Freddy. I mean, anytime he's... Actually, one of the things I didn't like the most was when he's, like, tackling any of the girls. I mean, there's definitely, like, a rapey vibe going on. Yes. Like, when he's when he's wrestling them. And part of it is... I don't know if it's his size also, but it's definitely got a, an extra creepy uh, element to it versus just any of the other stuff he says or does or, you know, the slashing or anything. None of that's as creepy as when he's kind of wrestling them down yeah it's definitely got that rapey thing going well that's kind of, it's kind of funny originally he was supposed to be a child molester slash killer yeah right and, and that actually comes through at that point so and that was probably intentional i yeah i think uh actually i think i did remember remember reading robert england was kind of channeling some uh court cases he had read about about uh child molesters yes. and stuff like that so he uh he went full creep <laughs> he, he did it very well full, he's very convincing full pedophile yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the petty killer that's what they should have called him oh but, man yeah no i for me i think the creepiest part and it still gets me because of the vulnerability is just when uh she's just chilling in the tub and his claw slowly comes out of the tub and then uh, like, also another rapey vibe coming up between her yeah. legs like that that was that's pretty disturbing 
Right. I thought that was, uh, yeah, that was super creepy. And so, yeah, yeah I definitely think that was it. But on a lighter note, um, I love, there's two parts. I'm watching the movie. I'm not looking for, like, mistakes or anything like that. But right. <laughs> when Nancy jumps off the off the roof to get away from Freddy, you clearly see her hit, like, the pads behind right. the, the, fern, <laughs> the, the, the bushes the, or whatever. The bushes. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And then at the end, when Freddy's on fire, runs up the stairs and falls over backwards, he falls down and you clearly see the mattress that he falls on. <laughs> and this is like, it's clearly like a twin size mattress, like a regular right. mattress. Like a bed mattress. Right. And I actually loved it more because of that because I was just like, this is freaking legit. Like I could imagine all that, like the home movies that, that we used yeah. to make and stuff. And so. You use what you got. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Budget I could talk, is everything. I could, I could talk about this movie for a long time. There's just the impact that this movie had on culture like this immediately like freddy became like iconic over oh over, yeah overnight you know yeah i feel like i knew more about him as a kid and we were pretty sheltered i think but i think i knew more about him uh, for the scary thing that he was more than jason or michael myers really right uh, as far as you know the big slasher slasher guys and part of that was because he had a real face it wasn't a mask yeah there was expressions yes um, I do remember the old Nintendo, well, it wasn't actually a commercial or I forget how it got used, but, or maybe it's the get or a line, a joke from one of the movies, but he's all now, now I'm playing with power, which was the, um, oh, yeah. he tried to, they tried to get Nintendo to be a part of the movie as right. far as using the power glove. And there was a Freddy, the, or there was a nightmare on Elm street, um, video game too, if I recall correctly. So, mm. um, I, I don't know why Nintendo didn't just go with that. Cause he was so iconic in the eighties. Yeah, Nintendo's hit and miss. Like, sometimes they do amazing things where you're like, that's the money. And there's other times where are like, would you just do this? <laughs> right. Anyways, um, that's my other podcast. Just kidding. I don't have another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, one thing about this movie, too, is I felt like it had kind of a strong message as far as when you find out why he is what he is. Not the child murderer part, but the fact that he's a ghost because... The parents took, you know, they went for the whole vigilante justice thing yes. and it totally backfired on them. And just that whole point of two wrongs don't make a right. Um, so I felt like I, I kind of feel this way about a lot of um, horror movies that there is a, a deeper truth mm -hmm. in there. And um, I feel like that was kind of hard hitting as far as a lot of times people feel that way about um, people that get away with things and the justice system kind of fails them or or maybe they you know, get put in jail for life and people are, it's not good enough. They need to do everything that that person did should be done to them and, and all of that. But you just start thinking of the ramifications of, um, you know, what vigilante justice really does. And of course this is, you know, the whole ghost thing, but you look at how messed up the parents kind of became. Oh for yeah. This. Ruined their lives. Right. And then, but, and the whole, and I think, um, I think Wes Craven, this was part of his, you know, plan in this was the whole, you know, the sins of the, of the parents being visited upon the, the children. Yes. Um, kind of a concept, but anyways, I just thought that was cool that this, this really had kind of a real, um, some meat to it. It wasn't just a, you know, scary, bloody movie for the sake of, you know, being that. Yeah, I would totally agree. And when Wes Craven, so Wes Craven has a lot of hit and misses. You don't hear about his sure. misses very much because they're just forgettable. They're not like so bad that they're, except for the Hills of Eyes part two. Like that's, 
he's actually disowned that movie. I mean, like, <laughs> rest in peace, you know. But like, but which I always confused. Like, how do you disown your own movies? Like, anyways. Right. Um. But anyways. Um. So his movies, though, it's like either they're when they hit, they hit. And with him coming from a, I'm trying to remember what he was studying, but he definitely has a philosophical outlook on fear, and he constantly was looking at like, why are we afraid of different things? And so that was something yeah. that he was always interested in. And that kept drawing him back to the horror movies. And so that was pretty awesome. Right. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to do before we wrap this baby up? Um, that's, I think that's it. I, well, I do feel like there was a kind of a, like a mystery kind of detective kind of vibe to this movie too, with uh, yeah. Nancy trying to f figure out what's going on. So that was kind of a fun element to it that I don't think you always see either um, in, in movies like this. So. Yeah. And a strong female character, um, also kind of a, uh, you know, female empowered, yeah, you know, kind of movie a little bit too. Now she intentionally they were they cast her to be a normal looking girl, like the girl mm -hmm. just just normal looking person that you would know. But she goes full final girl at the end, like freaking Home yeah. Alone booby traps it like yeah. crazy. Oh, I thought the same thing. Well, this is totally had to have inspired the writers for Home Alone the way the the booby traps happened and yes uh it definitely had that kind of a feel oh man i Precursor would love to, Home to see joe pesci play freddy that would be amazing <laughs> oh, that would be, that I would be love cool it. yeah anyways okay uh let's jump into our rankings so uh number one did it i don't have my notes in front of me so did it hit uh, the mark <laughs> yes. back in 84 that's what i said yes um uh yeah so what did it hit the mark josh I think so, considering the very small budget it had and how amazing that movie looks. But aside from that, that's my, my personal opinion. It did incredibly well in the box office. I mean, it made its money back easily in the first weekend. Um, huge success. Huge yeah. success. Uh, so I, I give, give it, it an A. a I give it an A+, because it just it, it made 50 times its budget. Right. So, um, yeah, I give it an A+. Um, uh, what, would you, what would you say for now? Is it still relevant today? Yes. Um, I would say yes. Like, he's definitely become one of the iconic American boogeyman. And so, when you yeah. see Halloween, you are naturally going to start seeing his him appear. He's definitely, like, it's one of the classic horror movies that you think of. Like, the horror, horror movie series. So, right. uh, I give it a still relevant today. In movie history, uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> philosophically and politically, uh, <laughs> I don't know. So in pop, in pop culture, though, pop culture, yes, today. I definitely, I give it a, I give it an A, I give it a, I'm gonna give it a B because it's not like at the forefront of everybody's mind, but he's there, he's cemented sure. his spot in pop culture. So I'm gonna give it a B. What about you? That's funny because I kind of struggle with that too. Um, I feel like in a in a cult following sort of way, he's still hugely hugely relevant today, but. Like you, I feel like it's kind of falling back a little bit. So I was yeah. I was coming at it with a B, but I didn't feel too solid on it. But I feel uh, I feel better about my answer. Seeing, yeah, with your explanation as well. So yeah, I give it a B. Yeah. for uh, relevance today. Okay, how about enjoyment? How much did you like this movie? Oh man, the personal enjoyment. I'm kind of conflicted between that because like I did like this movie, but it's not one of my favorites. But um, but I'm also I am inspired by this movie. Like it definitely. Sure. It's a, it's just a fun, well-crafted movie. So I think I'm going to have, I'm going to give it a B because I, I cool. did enjoy it. This is a great movie to watch with your friends. It's a great Halloween movie. Um, yeah. 
I give it a B. What about you? I'm I'm 100% with you on that one too. Uh, I also gave it a B. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I mean, one, it's a fun movie. Like you say, a great group movie for sure. Uh, great Halloween movie. But I was surprised. I kind of going went into it kind of thinking like, oh, this will be a solid C. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. But I don't know if I'll really really love it. Um, but it was such a well made movie. Um, I, it kind of surprised me just seeing it yeah. as a whole. And uh, yeah, I definitely give it a B. It so kept, it okay. kept my attention really well throughout the right. movie. Yeah, the pacing is excellent. It's edited really well. I feel yeah. Like, I actually was looking forward to, like, every scene. It wasn't like, oh, God, here's another conversation between two idiots as we wait right. for the next kill. Right. It was, I mean, these none of these characters are really well-developed, but we don't care. It's not a, really about them. It's about Freddy and the mystery of what's going on. Yeah. So, anyways, totally. uh, is it a midnight watch? So, this is one of those, uh, we've, come to, we've come to this conundrum before. I got to <laughs> give it a no-ish partially because <laughs> there's right. just there's certain scenes in this movie that if it came on tv i'm watching that scene right but yeah. is it a movie where every sequence you know every every chunk of the movie every scene is totally worth you know waiting around for probably not in my opinion so i guess based on that i have to give it a no but again with the strings attached if it's the you know the scene where tina is getting slashed up and dragged around the ceiling i mean that's pretty pretty That's, awesome to see it is um i this is actually the movie i'm probably the most conflicted about for a midnight watch because mm-hmm. like my my head says no because like i don't watch this movie all the time but right. my heart says yes so i feel like <laughs> i think this is a definitely uh, it is an iconic midnight movie midnight uh, midnight movie I'm going to have to say, yes, this is a midnight watch. Cool. Like if, I think that if I was up, this movie was playing, I would, I think I would just settle in and be like, tomorrow's going to suck. I got to watch this movie. <laughs> so, right on. Well, I will join you halfway there on that. So cool. Okay. It's a twilight watch. That's what it is. It's folks. a twilight. Well, it's solid twilight watch for sure. There we go. Well, that about wraps up today's episode. If you want to check out this movie, I, I own this movie actually. Um, where did you watch this movie? I rented this on uh, Amazon. Oh, cool! Uh, Amazon two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Uh, it'll be about two ninety nine. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you <laughs> special thanks to our sound producer Jake Colvin. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you shared it with your friends or anyone that you think would like it. Please hit that subscribe button. We'd love to get more people listening to this every week on the reg. If you would. Uh, please give us a five-star rating. We'd love that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, just about anywhere else you can get your podcast. Uh, hit us up on social media. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the good old email. If you'd like to get a hold of us that way, contact us at the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail.com. That's right, guys. You have an awesome week. And as always... Glenn sucks. <laughs> <laughs>